At Highland, we're all about celebrating little wins and little ways to innovate digital processes. There's no customer pain point too small for us to help with. Maybe that's why more than half of the Fortune 100 looks to Highland to connect their content and data, improve processes, and turn little efficiencies into big wins for their customers and clients. Highland, intelligent content solutions for innovators everywhere at highland.com. People are strange. strange. Is that strange? That is strange. And welcome to another episode of Strange Sauna, everybody. This is episode two of the Golden Dawn series. This is a series where I'm analyzing Donald Trump as the Antichrist, the beast figure of Revelations. This is uh, a compilation of a lot of different research that I've been looking into, primarily the thoughts and the tweets from one Donnie Darkened on Twitter. And in this analysis, we're going to be looking at Trump as the Antichrist and his connection with being the Jewish Messiah. Some say that those two things are the same, you know, the, the Antichrist and the Jewish Messiah are one and the same. And we're going to be looking at uh, Trump's ties to Judaism and also the third temple, the rebuilding of the third temple, the promise to be made. So, yeah, we're going to be digging in deep. There is a lot of information. I don't know how long this is going to go because there's just so much. This this might be a four-part series. So this is going to be episode two. We'll see how far we get. All right. So before we get started, hit that like button, subscribe, hit the notification bell. Do all the things that will help this channel grow. If you do like the content and you like uh, what I'm saying and you want other people to hear it, if you think it's intriguing, share the episode, share content, do all that stuff. So... Anything you can do to help out the channel, follow me over on TikTok, Strange Sana Show on TikTok. I put out a lot of different little clips that I won't put anywhere else, just only on TikTok. So go follow me over there. Uh, all right, let's dive right into this. Let's get steamy, everybody. Okay, so if you haven't already watched episode one of the Golden Dawn series, go watch that one first. We're going to kind of continue on the same trajectory. And what I mean by that is we're going to still look at this episode 41 of Tim Pool's The Culture War. This has to do with Donald Trump might be the Antichrist or it might be Elon Musk. But it features Donnie Darkin, Drew Tangreborn, and Sovereign Bra. They had a long discussion around all of the connections with Donald Trump, his connections with the possibility of him being the Antichrist, the gematria, the numerology, all that stuff. We're going to get into all of that stuff, all right? If not on this episode... It'll happen on the next one. But today, we're kind of continuing with the theory here. I have several clips from that Tim Pool episode. But just to kind of um, re remind everybody of Donnie Darkin's thesis. So he believes that there's a theory of two different systems that are being portrayed right now. You have the obvious New World Order agenda, the climate change agenda. You have like the digital ID um, the carbon tax, transgenderism, the woke ideology, everything that is really just aggravating and abrasive to people, it's it's all being pushed at once. So that way it's completely obvious. You know, it's obvious that people don't want this. They don't want this for America. They don't want this for the world. All right. So 
That is one of the systems, and that is one system that Donnie Darkened refers to as the Babylon Harlot system. That system will be purposefully defeated by the false light system. So that's like the New Age movement that is quickly merging with conspiracy theorists, MAGA, Q, uh, the Trump movement, all right? So his argument is that people are being deceived by this false light system, believing that the great reset, the woke agenda, it will defeat that agenda and it will finally bring peace. But this peace will be a temporary kind of false peace, kind of the beginning of that tribulation period where you have three and a half years of false hope, false peace, peace and prosperity. However, this will only mark the beginning of the rise of the beast system. Trump will destroy the deep state Babylon system in order to garner trust from the people. He will then use Israel and the Patriot Movement conspiracy theorists as tools to usher in the mark of the beast. All right. I know it's a mouthful, but we're going there. Uh, This first clip has to do with Trump as the Antichrist. Uh, Does he meet the criteria, the Abraham Accords and Trump as the peacemaker? Well, let's say Donald Trump is the is the Antichrist, right? He, he's supposed to be beloved by everybody, right? Not exactly. Um, so a lot of people do have this con- conception that the Antichrist will be loved by all. Uh, he'll be this young, charming guy, you know, who who everybody likes. And, you know, a lot of people get this from, like, uh, the Left Behind series and a lot of things in, like, Hollywood depictions of the Antichrist. But, you know, in Daniel uh, chapter 11, it says that the Antichrist becomes strong with a small group of people. So he, when the Antichrist, you know, comes on the scene, he becomes very strong with a small group. And eventually, you know, he rises up to, uh, you know, to his political aspirations and leads the world into peace. It says in Daniel chapter 8, verse 25, he shall magnify himself in his heart, and by peace he shall destroy men. Uh, it also says that in in First uh, Thessalonians chapter five verse three, mm-hmm. and this is this is one of the reasons why I find the Trump Antichrist theory very interesting because it says in First Thessalonians chapter five verse three, when people are saying peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them like the labor pains of a pregnant woman. Part of the reason why this is interesting, Tim, is because. Uh, I don't know if I'm sure you remember the Abraham Accords when Trump yeah. made mm-hmm. peace in the in the Middle East. When you look at all of the, well, to a certain degree, to a certain degree, when you look at all of the uh, banners behind them at their press conferences and whatnot, it says peace and security mm-hmm. in the Middle East, which yep. is exactly what it said in, in Thessalonians. Do you, know, do you real quick? I love this uh, little piece of trivia. You know the peace sign? Yeah, the hand sign. Yeah, you know what it really means? What it means victory. Really? Yeah, so when you hold up two fingers, people think that means peace. It's technically meaning peace. The V is for victory. You're holding up victory over the battlefield after everyone's been killed, signifying peace has been achieved. Mm. How was peace achieved? You slaughtered your enemies. Mm. Peace through strength. And that's exactly what Trump has been saying lately, peace through strength. Peace through strength. Yeah, the the, the phone call where he was like, yeah, I told them I'd nuke Moscow or (laughs) Beijing. The the N-word, the N-word, it's very bad. (laughs) We never say the N-word. Yeah, nuclear. (laughs) You do a good Trump impression. To to go back, yeah, and to go back to your question a second ago about whether or not he'd be loved by everybody, so... In Revelation 13, it says that the whole world will basically marvel at his miracles and at his ability to bring peace to the world. And people are going to literally worship him 
as a result of it. So a large portion of the world, like the Bible says, wide is the path to destruction, narrow is the path to salvation. Few will find it, right? A large portion of the world, whoever the Antichrist is, a large portion of the world will be deceived by him and they will end up worshiping him. Whether that's Trump or somebody else, I don't know. So that's the first clip. There's a lot to digest there, right? So peace through strength peace and prosperity, the Abraham Accords. And, it, and at this point, it's kind of like, you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. So it's like, do we not want peace in the Middle East? I mean, how long have we heard these, these headlines? Like, oh, there's a disruption. There's chaos in the Middle East. There's war in the Middle East. It's like, okay, for how long? So we can't have peace in the Middle East unless the Antichrist comes in. You know, it's like, okay. So, they go on to talk about uh, Trump as the or the peacemaker and the peacemaker, according to the Russian uh, tapes over there. I, those were all bunk. But Trump as the peacemaker, the Antichrist will not be loved by all. He will become strong with a small group of people. So, I mean, you look at MAGA started out kind of small, the Q group, you know what I mean? Started out small. Now it's kind of like it's growing. It's merging all together into like this one big new agey kind of movement. I don't know. Maybe it's being contaminated by the new age movement, but yeah, some believe that Trump will bring peace, which is the three and a half years of peace before the tribulation period or the three and a half years of the tribulation. Um, right here, uh, Daniel eight twenty five. he shall magnify himself in his heart and peace shall destroy many. You also have first Thessalonians chapter five, verse three just as uh, Sovereign Bra was saying. For when they s shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. And we saw this through the, um, the Abraham courts, right? Peace and security in the Middle East, you know what I mean? So this was between four Arab states established formal relations with the state of Israel. Here's the White House statement. And it's talking about the parties discuss their shared commitment to advancing peace and security in the Middle East, stressing the importance of embracing the vision of the Abraham Accords, widening the circle of peace, recognizing each state's right to sovereignty and to live in peace and security, and continuing the efforts to achieve a just, comprehensive and enduring resolution of the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. So he's bringing in peace through strength. He's bringing in peace and security. And Donald Trump has been groomed for decades to be the peacemaker of the world. And I want to go to this Donnie Darkens Twitter thread. And in this post, Donnie Darkens says, highly disturbing proof that Donald Trump has been groomed for decades to be the peacemaker of the world. 35 years ago, he revealed his agenda of false light. So let's check out this video. Christians are professing that prophecy is in the making as an Israeli organization has started to mint coinage, which displays a 70-year fulfillment of Israel. It represents the gathering of Israel together again, giving all glory to Trump's image, which is in front of King Cyrus on the front of the coin, and a rebuilt third temple on the back. The coin itself, paired with the current geopolitical state of affairs, is shocking, as it indeed represents that we are on the verge of a cataclysmic period in time known as the end times. However, one specific aspect of this coin caught my attention. That is, the image of Donald Trump on the front, 
paired with the symbol of peace, a dove, on the back. It reminded me that before Donald Trump was elected president, he was referred to as Donald the Dove. Why is that? I never knew that. I never knew that people were referring to Donald Trump as the Dove. Hmm. Well, back in 1983, a well-known photographer named William Coupon had photographed him with a dove when he was at the pinnacle of his career. But what did Donald Trump have to do with a dove that would warrant this picture? While it's difficult to find, William Coupon is on record at least twice, stating that the photo shoot was for a Manhattan Inc. magazine edition. He states on time.com, quote, I shot Donald Trump twice. This is my favorite. Trump was offering his services as a peace negotiator between the Israelis and the Palestinians. Hmm. Later on Tao style, he writes, he, Donald Trump, was 32 years old when I took that photograph in 1983. He was attempting to, independently, negotiate an agreement between the Israelis and Palestinians at that time. So when the news first broke in the Trump presidency that he would try to attempt Middle East peace, it took many by surprise. Many thought that this was Trump being flamboyant, that he would, even recklessly, display how he is the chief negotiator by trying to tackle. So the article that they're showing says Middle East peace is not as difficult as people have thought. And that's a quote by Trump. Middle East peace. However, many do not realize that this has been on Trump's mind for a very, very long time. Mm. Over 35 years, to be exact. While many think that Trump happened to grab the presidency by happenstance, just due to a cascade of events in the geopolitical sphere, many peculiar things tell us otherwise. For one, there has been some predictive programming of a Trump presidency via cartoons, as with the Simpsons episode in 2000 called Bart to the Future, or this eerily accurate heavy metal cartoon called The Wall by Peter Cooper. Now let's look at this. I've never seen this before. But in this heavy metal story this is a comic book you know but it says i ha- it's showing this man with his arms raised the guy in a suit i guess you can say it looks like trump you have like the devil sign here on his vehicle and he has like a newspaper or something wrapped in his you know hand and it says i had a scheme that has brought we the people to this glorious moment I hold in my hands plans for a monument so we will never forget our great struggle, a symbol of the spirit with which it will be built. Okay. He has like a snake tongue. You guys notice that? From July 1990, which even foretells of a Trump wall. Mm. But even more disturbing is Trump's direct integration with the White House back in the early 1980s, which relates back to the photo of the dove I showed before. The photo was used in this Manhattan Inc. magazine edition entitled Donald Trump's Ultimate Deal. In this magazine, Donald tells us how he can solve nuclear arms proliferation across the world. What's shocking about this article, as I mentioned prior, is that Trump states that he has been in close talks with the White House ever since the early 80s, as well as his plan with which he would disarm the world. Disarm the world. 
Hasn't Trump said that he like repeatedly said that he could end the Ukraine Russia conflict in 24 hours? Just end it. They ask him, well, how are you going to do that? Well, look, both sides have uh, pros and cons. They have things that they want. You just have to know them. Okay. Like, what does that mean? Like, You've been at this for a very long time. Is that what you're trying to say? I know Russia, Ukraine is different than the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, but what does he know that we don't? In referencing to his intertwining with the White House, he states, I'm dealing at a very high level on this, he said, with people in Washington, in the White House. There was too much at stake for him to risk the wrong kind of exposure on the subject. The subject being nuclear proliferation. In summary, he states, referring to the rest of the world outside US and Russia, most of those pre-nuclear countries are in one form or another dominated by the US and Soviet Union. Between those two nations, you have the power to dominate any of those other countries. So we should use our power of economic retaliation, and they use their powers of retaliation. And between the two of us, we will prevent the problem from happening. So Trump's solution is a partnership with Russia to subdue other countries from obtaining nuclear arms. Other than teaming up with Russia, what were his specific plans? Well, he states, again, referring to the other countries, maybe we should offer them something. I'm saying you start off nicely as possible. You apply as much pressure as necessary until you achieve the goal. You start off telling them, let's get rid of it. If that doesn't work, you start cutting off aid, and more aid, and then more. You do whatever is necessary so these people will have riots in the street, so they can't get water, so they can't get band-aids, so they can't get food, because that's the only thing that's going to do it, the people, the riots. Trump is so bold in this interview that he even declares sanctions against allies like France, since they have the nuclear bomb. So now to be fair, I don't know where this interview exists. So this is just a quote from this man. So I'm just throwing that out there. He states, they've got the bomb, but they don't have it now with the delivery capability they will have in five years. If they don't give it up, and I don't mean reduce it, and I don't mean stop, because stopping doesn't mean anything. I mean, get it out. If they didn't, I would bring sanctions against that country that would be so strong, so unbelievable, end quote. So these are the thoughts of Donald Trump 35 years ago, that he was already entwined in the White House, that he was already attempting Middle East peace. For those just listening on audio, they're showing Donald Trump next to Ronald Reagan. And that, at least in reference to nuclear disarmament, he is prepared to work with Russia to subdue the rest of the world into riots by massive sanctions and other means. Well, isn't it interesting then that 35 years ago from these statements, Donald Trump is pursuing Middle East peace, that he is being invested. And look at that. Isn't that interesting? Nikki Haley says Trump's Middle East peace plan nearly ready. Nikki Haley addressed a number of issues Thursday night among them, the likelihood that the U.S. would push for a Palestinian state. Because Nikki Haley worked for the Trump administration, everybody. Long time ago. Investigated for a variety of collusions with Russians. Trump tells Putin now is the time. To work for Israeli-Palestinian peace. It's an article title here. And also publicly states that the two should moderate the Israeli-Palestinian peace. That just as he was prepared to bring massive sanctions on France 35 years ago, 
that he states today he will sanction European allies if they continue to deal with Iran in the nuclear Iran deal. So it seems to me that one, Trump and perhaps the elites have been grooming Trump for this event for nearly four decades. And two, his thoughts of the past seem to be reflective of what he is actively doing right now. Now, I find it humorous that most will say I'm a Hillary-loving liberal because of my stance on Donald Trump. Okay, that's pretty much the end of that video. All right, now um, here's another post by Donnie Darkin. Many are now saying, quote, there was peace under Trump. Everything is going exactly as I suspected years ago, uh, that Trump would lose the election in 2020. Biden would be put into office. Everything would get visibly worse so that Trump could return as a savior and a peacemaker all by design. And then he just has this snippet of a bunch of people, uh, cat turd, Kevin Sorbo, Hodge twins, you know, all these people saying reminder, we had world peace under president Donald J. Trump. There was peace under Trump. Just saying we had peace under Trump. And now we have multiple wars under Biden, all that stuff, right? So Trump has been saying he could end the war in 24 hours, like he's just the ultimate peacemaker and all this stuff. He's also talking about World War III. He talks about it a lot. Like, we're going to go into World War III. You know, the invasion, like uh, Taiwan's going to be invaded by China. The entire generation of young people could very well be decimated by something that could very well happen world war three it'll never happen with me he says to our country and an entire generation of young people could very well be decimated by something that could very well happen world war three and it'll never happen with me i can tell you that it will never happen so he's very confident that it will never happen with him why is he so confident um, here's a, a tweet by the peacemaker or just peacemaker um, something something. We are in the threshold of World War III, says Donald Trump. Here we go. We'll just listen to it. it is, and, uh, it's a shame. The world is in tremendous danger. We're in danger of possibly a World War III. And we have a man who's absolutely the worst president in the history of our country. Can't put two sentences together. He's not going to be able to negotiate with Putin or Xi or Kim Jong-un. North Korea, not going to be able to negotiate with anybody. Okay. And I don't necessarily disagree with that. You know, Biden is one of the worst presidents we've ever had, but by design, you know, and even Trump called all of this before he became president. He's, you know, there was that collage, that video collage that was going around where he had Trump back at the Alamo where he was saying, you're going to have high gas prices then it would go to a clip of like record high gas prices under biden it's like you're gonna have an invasion down at the border more immigrants illegal immigrants are crossing the border than ever you know it's like having this back and forth between trump's premonitions and it actually coming true how did he know all of this stuff now if you ask the q movement and you ask like the whole new age and, and conspiracy movement they would say well it's the plan you trust the plan right well where did the plan come from you know, are we watching a movie? Because a movie has a script. Both sides, the bad guys and the good guys, know what the ending looks like. I mean, they come together. They both have a script themselves. So are we going down this road? Are, are the bad guys purposefully losing and making it look so obvious 
you know, that, that yes, of course, people will want something else. They won't want to vote for you. They would vote for the only other option, which is Trump. Here's Trump at CPAC. We'll soon have us losing World War Three. We won't even be in World War Three. We'll be losing World War Three with okay. weapons the likes of which nobody has ever seen before. It's like we won't be in World War Three, but we'll be losing it. I don't know if that's how it works, but okay. These are the stakes of this election. Our country is being destroyed, and the only thing standing between you and its obliteration is me. Me. It's true. It's true. It's true. <laughs> because he takes all of the slings and arrows for you, everybody. Remember, they're coming after you. The only thing that's standing in their way is Donald Trump. So he's filling this messianic kind of savior role. Victor Orban, somebody I respect greatly. A lot of people respect him. Tough guy, smart guy. He made the statement recently. He said, uh, you bring back Trump, it'll all stop. They all listened to Trump. They respected Trump. He actually said it stronger than that. He said they were afraid of Trump. I don't want people to be afraid of me. But he said, China was afraid. Russia was afraid. They were all afraid of Trump. Bring him back, and it'll all go back. See, it'll all just stop. Okay, the promise of peace and prosperity. You just have to vote for Trump. Bring him back. Right? Bring him back. Now, I did want to bring this up, too, is because just recently, Donald Trump at CPAC said that November 5th will be our Liberation Day and their Judgment Day. So he's bringing in all of these biblical terms and that goes back to q you know because the q movement had a bunch of posts that were just very biblical very religious you know so you had a lot of christians and evangelicals follow the q movement and get on board with that you know and and i will admit i was on board with the whole thing until it never happened and then i'm going wait a second is this a big Freemasonic Hegelian dialectic thing that's happening? Problem, reaction, solution? Trump is the solution? Sure does seem like it. But liberation. Who provided liberation? Lucifer. Right? The Freemasonic inversion of Adam and Eve. The Garden of Eden. Lucifer liberated Adam and Eve with knowledge and enlightenment. The inversion of the, the original story of Adam and Eve is that Lucifer is the good guy. He gave man knowledge. Okay? God was enslaving him in this utopia, and Lucifer provided the knowledge to escape. So, Trump is offering a new Liberation Day on November 5th, and it will be those who oppose him their Judgment Day. Longer. At the ballot boxes, November, it's you and the people you have to be and will deliver a reckoning like they haven't even imagined before. We're going to straighten out our country. A reckoning? More biblical talk? We're going to bring our country back. For hardworking Americans, November 5th will be our new Liberation Day. But for the liars and cheaters and fraudsters and censors and imposters 
who have commandeered our government, it will be their judgment day. Their judgment day. So he says it twice, so that way you get it. Their judgment day. Okay. So then he keeps on going on and on and on and on. All right. So I found all of that just very interesting. Trump as the peacemaker, the Abraham Accords, um, you know, going back to the the Tim Pool clip where they're saying that peace through strength um, for when they say peace and safety, then a sudden destruction cometh upon them. Right. Let's go back to the Donnie Darkin stuff. Let's go back to the Tim Pool episode. And this next clip is going to be about um, Judaism. And how they're waiting for the arrival of their messianic figure, their messiah. Because Trump has been equated to the messiah. Religious Jews are waiting for their messiah. So they've rejected Jesus Christ as their messiah. They're waiting for the arrival of their messiah. And they're basically, when you look at the prophecies of the Jewish messiah, it says that he will rise, he will place the nations as his footstool, like he, he will basically crush his enemies, and there will be a one world government from Jerusalem right? So Jews are still waiting for their Messiah, yeah. okay? They rejected Jesus, and if Trump or whoever rises and creates a one-world government from Jerusalem, Jews will worship him as their Messiah. They need their third temple in order for this to happen. That's why the red heifer in the third temple is so important. Mm-hmm. They can't have their Jewish Messiah without the third temple, okay? So that's why I'm like, I'm watching I'm watching Temple Mount like a freaking hawk right now, dude, because if Israel makes a move to reclaim that and to build their third temple, it would instantly trigger World War III, but also if they build the third temple, like, we're seconds away from the Antichrist rising, potentially. Seconds away. He said potentially. But yeah, I mean, uh, so it, when you're looking at judaism they're they're awaiting the arrival of their messianic figure they need to build their third temple all right so what is this all about they're thinking that trump will be the one who builds the third temple and that's what was the whole like the the whole coin was all about and we'll we'll get into that but what is the third temple right so the third temple is the third house of the sanctum and refers to a hypothetical rebuilt temple in jerusalem So first you had Solomon's temple here. I can show you guys this picture here. It was built by King Solomon, the son and the successor of King David. King David received messages from God to construct a great temple that would provide a final resting place for the Ark of the Covenant, which was an elaborate chest encasing the two stone tablets of the Ten Commandments. This chest would then... uh, be ensconced within the innermost room of the temple, the Holy of the Holies. King Solomon, known as a determined builder, enlisted the support of the stonemasons to construct the temple on behalf of God's message to his father. So side note, Solomon's temple is ingrained in Freemasonry, as Hiram Abiff was the master mason who was killed for not revealing the secrets of the craft. So Solomon's temple... You have Freemasonry coming in now, helping to build the temple here. Solomon's temple was destroyed by King Nebuchadnezzar during the Babylonian siege of Jerusalem in roughly 587 BCE. And then between 516 BCE and 70 CE, a second temple known as Herod's temple was built. 
But the second temple was destroyed during the Roman siege of Jerusalem in 70 CE. So they're awaiting the, the third temple. Now the western wall, the Wailing Wall, that is a remnant of the second temple. And that's why I believe it's so sacred. People go there, shove messages in the wall, and, and you know all of the presidents have gone there. Right? They touch the wall. They interact with the wall. Um, the Hebrew Bible holds that the Jewish prophets called for the third temple to be constructed prior to or in tandem with the Messianic age. The third temple is to be built on Temple Mount, where the two previous temples were built. However, the notion of the third temple has been contested by Muslims due to the existence of the Dome of the Rock, which was built by the caliphate on the top of the site of Solomon's temple in the second temple. So um, you have now Islamic structures being built on this holy land. All right. And Temple Mount, that's what uh, Sovereign Bra was talking about. He's like, I'm watching Temple Mount like a hawk. Right? Here's the Dome of the Rock on Temple Mount, Old City of Jerusalem. Now, if you look at Jerusalem, location within uh, the city here, this is right here in this little square here. This, I believe, is the whole holy site. And the, uh, the Dome of the Rock is where this red dot is. It is a holy site for Islam now. There are differing Jewish views on how or even if the third temple should be built and whether or not animal sacrifices should resume within the temple. Yes, hence the red heifer, and that's where we're going to go here. The generally accepted position among Orthodox Jews is that the full order of the sacrifices will be resumed upon the building of the temple. A pure-born red heifer needs to be born to signal the third temple. Now, this is crazy. This is, uh, I mean, ritual sacrifice. Is it not? I mean, we do a lot of judging on those who sacrifice things. And we look at it as evil. But it's been going on in the Bible for a long time. Orthodox Jews, right? So why is the red heifer so important? Well, I found this article that talks about it. And this is, this is very, very strange. I'll just put it that way. So what is the significance of the red heifer in the Bible? It seems that every few years, a red heifer, red cow, is born in Israel, and it results in some people thinking that the return of Jesus is near. To meet the requirements of the Old Testament law, a red heifer was needed to help accomplish the purification of the Israelites from uncleanliness. Specifically, the ashes of a red heifer were needed because red heifer ashes were necessary for the purification rites held at the temple, many have regarded the appearance of a red heifer today as heralding the construction of the third temple and the return of Christ. They go on in the episode, the Tim Pool episode, talking about how there's multiple red heifers, like they actually have like the genetics, like they're trying to genetically modify these heifers to make a pure-born heifer where it will it'll be born red and pure, but as it ages, it'll get spots and little speckles and stuff, and they'll go, oh, nope, this won't cut it. But I believe that they do have some. They have some pure red heifers ready to go. According to rabbinical tradition, there have been nine red heifers sacrificed since Moses' time. Since the destruction of the second temple, no red heifers have been slaughtered. The rabbi Maimonides, I don't know, Maimonides, taught that the 10th red heifer would be sacrificed by the Messiah himself. 
The Temple Institute, a group advocating for the construction of the Third Temple, reports that five flawless red heifers from Texas arrived in Israel on September 15th, 2022. Many people view this event as a fulfillment of prophecy since the acquisition of the red heifers, a major step forward in the plans for a new temple. And they're even talking about sacrificing a red heifer very, very soon here, like right around the time of the solar eclipse. Shabbat Parah, 2024, which is the Jewish year, 5,784. Shabbat of the red heifer. According to Hebkol Shabbat Parah, for Hebrew year 5784, begins at sundown Friday, the 29th of March, 2024, and ends the nightfall of Saturday, the 30th of March, 2024. Will a red heifer be sacrificed this year? In preparation for Passover. All right, there it is. You know? Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. But going back to this article here. uh, The Mosaic Law specified that the red heifer was to be, quote, without defect or blemish, unquote, and to have never borne a yoke. The sacrifice of the red heifer was unique in the law in that it used a female animal. It was sacrificed away from the entrance to the tabernacle, and it was the only sacrifice in which the color of the animal was specified. The slaughtering of the red heifers described in Numbers 19, or chapter 19, verse 1 through 10, Eleazar, the priest, was to oversee the ritual outside of the camp of the Israelites. After the animal was killed, Eleazar was to sprinkle some of its blood towards the front of the tabernacle seven times. Seven. What is it with seven? You know, God created the world in six days, rested on the seventh. All right, so after he sprinkles the blood seven times, Then he left camp again and oversaw the burning of the carcass of the red heifer. As the red heifer burned, the priest was to add, quote, some cedar wood, hyssop, and scarlet wool to the fire. Now, doesn't that sound like witchcraft? And I know I'm not like trying to be offensive here. I'm not trying to be offensive. I'm not trying to be a douchebag. But when you're adding all of these specific ingredients, does it not sound like very ritualistic you're killing something. You have to have specific ingredients to make this uh, this ritual manifest. You know, like I'm just saying, like we're very judgmental towards um, witchcraft, witch stuff, but not towards this. 
The ashes of the red heifer were then collected and stored, quote, in a ceremonially clean place outside of the camp, unquote. The ashes were used in the water of cleansing. It is the purification from sin. The law goes on to detail when and how the ashes of the red heifer were used in purifying those who came in contact with a dead body. Whoever touches a human corpse will be unclean for seven days. There it is again. They must purify themselves with the water on the third day and on the seventh day. Then they will be clean. Right? So I'm just like, what? If you touch a dead body, you got to like wash yourself in the ashes of a red heifer or this water that has the ashes of the red heifer in it. The purification process involved the ashes of the red heifer in this way. Put some ashes from the burned purification offering into a jar and pour fresh water over them. Then a man who is ceremonially clean is to take some hyssop, dip it in the water, and sprinkle. Anyone who has touched a human bone or a grave or anyone who has been killed or anyone who has died a natural death. So I'm just saying it's very, there's a lot of specificity to this. And a lot of, you know, like, why? There must be historical evidence that this does something. It works, you know, but you can definitely ask why a lot. So let's go back to the Tim Pool episode and we're going to look at the Jewish coin, Trump as King Cyrus and the third temple. We're going to continue on this third temple discussion. But but uh, this is crazy. This 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 coin will actually grant you access to the temple once it's once it's built. And um, on the coin, we have Donald Trump, King Cyrus and King Cyrus was the ancient Persian king who yeah. defeated Babylon. Yo, real, real quick. I Yeah, this is the carry. Yep. Can you make that this, full screen? This is the coin. Uh in my hand right now, it's a little, little picture of Trump on it, and then here is the uh, the actual image. Yeah, so I want to talk about this. It's actually very <laughs> crucial to all this. So, uh, you know, this this is, uh, like I said, backed by the Sanhedrin and the Temple Institute. So we have Trump, King Cyrus, who defeated the, Babylon, uh, Babel, the Babylonian Empire, allowing the Jews to return home to build their temple. In Isaiah 45, uh, he's called a Messiah to the Jews. On the bottom... Uh, so just reminding you, King Cyrus beat the Babylonian system. So that's who they think that Trump is. Trump is being compared to King Cyrus. So King Cyrus Trump will defeat the Babylonian harlot system. And that's what the deep state is represented to uh, Donnie Darkened. Just throwing that out there. If you read it, it says, and he charged me to build him a house in Jerusalem. And on the back, we have the third temple of King Solomon. So for those who aren't familiar with the the temple of King Solomon, the first one was destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar. The second one was destroyed in 70 AD. And since then, it's been almost 2000 years. The Jews have not had a way to atone for their sins. So this is a very serious matter for the Jewish people in Israel. They want nothing nothing more than to bring about the temple so that they can continue their sacrifices and usher in the Messiah. There are two views in uh, uh, that are prominent. There's the view that the Messiah will build the temple, and then there's the view that the temple will be built and the Messiah will come. But it's very interesting because um, 
uh, rap, uh, many rabbis in Jerusalem uh, are saying that Trump is actually the key who will herald the coming messianic age. And um, oh boy. it's it's really funny because uh, Rabbi Yosef Berger, who was the overseer of the tomb of King David, uh, one of Jerusalem's most holiest sites, uh, actually said that Trump is going to be the one to build the temple. And he right now is actually working on a genealogical link between King David and Donald Trump going through his ancestry. And this is very important because like oh. Jesus is the son of David, so too the Antichrist will also also be seen as a, the son of David. Do you, do you guys know what Donald Trump means? Oh yeah, that's a big one. Yeah, Donald, Donald Trump means herald of the world ruler. Wow. So Donald is, I believe, I believe it's Scottish Gaelic yep. for uh, rule of the world. And Trump means the, the, the trumpet sound. So yeah, the word Donald actually does mean world ruler, like ruler of the world in Scottish Gaelic. So very interesting there as well. But looking at this coin, right? So I just want to talk a little bit about this. So to honor Trump's recognition of Jerusalem as Israel's capital, the Israeli organization, the Mikdash Education Center, minted the temple coin. All right, this thing right here. And the coin shows Donald Trump's image next to King Cyrus. King Cyrus allowed Jews to return to Jerusalem from their exile in Babylon, modern-day Iraq, and rebuild Solomon's temple, the second temple. Netanyahu stated, quote, We remember 70 years ago. There's that seven. President Harry S. Truman was the first leader to recognize the Jewish state. And we remember how a few weeks ago, President Donald J. Trump recognized Jerusalem as Israel's capital. Mr. President, this will be remembered by our people through the ages. In December, an evangelical leader explained this vessel theology. Now, this is very interesting, you guys. Vessel theology, where human beings are vessels to later be filled by the spirit of either the Antichrist, demons, Holy Spirit, I don't know. I don't know if this can be good. <laughs> doesn't sound good, but you're a vessel. So whether they're good or bad spirits, they can get into you just like a, a ship. So in December, an ev evangelical leader explained this, quote, vessel theology, end quote, in welcoming Trump's move on Jerusalem. Mike Evans told the Christian Broadcasting Network that Cyrus was used as an instrument of God for deliverance in the Bible. God has used this imperfect vessel, this flawed human being like you or I, this imperfect vessel, and he's using him in an incredible, amazing way to fulfill his plans and purposes. Some observers wonder if the comparison is just a convenient way for evangelicals to deal with Trump's multiple divorces, his confessed womanizing, and the multiple accusations of sexual assault, which, I mean, those never really went anywhere, right? I mean, so, yeah, uh, let's, let's look at this. Let's look at this real quick. So this is Donnie Darkened again. The Trump temple coin was minted in Israel featuring King Cyrus. The coins minting coincided with Israel's 70th anniversary. Cyrus was the Persian king who was hailed as a messiah for allowing the second temple to be built in Jerusalem. Now let's watch this little clip here. All right. 
have three symbols. They take this very seriously. We are very happy to announce that the Mikdash Educational Center just produced a new Cyrus Trump Temple coin. This special coin was produced and minted for the 70 years of the independence of the state of Israel and to honor and praise President Donald Trump who promised, but not only promised, also fulfilled his promise and next week will move the American Embassy to Jerusalem. Charged me to build him a house in Jerusalem. The candelabra was always the symbol of the state of Israel. Okay, so look at this again. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Hmm. How convenient. Of the state of Israel. In three languages, in Hebrew, in English, and in Arabic. President Trump is starting a prophetic process by moving the American embassy to Jerusalem. Just like King Cyrus 2,500 years ago said, he charged me to build a house in Jerusalem. Here again, President Trump is building a house in Jerusalem. The guy's got to take it down a notch. So this is a billboard outside of a building. It says Trump is a friend of Zion. So moving on. The Golan Heights had its name changed to, quote, Trump Heights in his honor on June 16th, 2019, two days after Trump's birthday. Within the Golan Heights is Mount Hermon. In the book of Enoch, chapter 6, the fallen angels swear an oath at Mount Hermon to bind themselves together against God. Where they went one, they went all. So it's very familiar to the where we go one, we go all. Right. So check this out. Israel names a settlement Trump Heights. Oh boy. So Trump is a great friend of our state. This is Benjamin Netanyahu. A leader who has done things which were not done previously. And should have been done by the power of justice and truth. All right. So in March, Trump recognized Israel's sovereignty over the Golan Heights. Or Golan Heights. All right. Showing you the sign. It's, uh, it's a wonderful first step in uh, uh, the follow-on to his recognition of Israeli sovereignty. This is the U.S. ambassador to Israel. Over the Golan Heights, which uh, I'm very proud of. I think many in the United States think it was a brilliant decision. And uh, we're going to give uh, some effect to it and life to it today. They're like doing a mic check in the background. Did you guys hear that? Israel captured the Golan Heights from Syria in the 1967 war. Blah, blah. Anyway, the point is that they named a freaking area the Trump Heights, right? And yeah, this whole thing about Q stuff, where we go one, we go all, the fallen angels, that's something that I'm going to bring up in a later episode as well. 
but the book of Enoch and the fallen angels swear an oath at Mount Hermon. Where we go, one we go all. Very, very strange, right? <clears throat> oh, this one is equally as strange. Uh, this is a song called Super Trump by the Jerusalem Boys Choir. They praise Donald Trump. This is uh, some of the lyrics here. When the sons of Ishmael harm our lands, don't you worry, Trump takes a stand. Super Trump is Jerusalem's prince. To the sky he will reach from the city of Zion. Our Lord, he fights like a lion. I just had to make it rhyme there. Here we go. Listen to this. Super Trump. Okay. To the sky he will reach. Hallelujah from the city of Zion. For our Lord, he fights like a lion. If the whole world stands against us and only Micronesia is rooting for us. Is Jerusalem's prince. Okay, so you guys get it, right? I mean, they're obsessed with this guy. Uh, here is a very fascinating one. Um, I think I'll get that. I'll get into that on the next episode when we go over the Gematria numerology. Astronomers predict a nova will light up our skies, our night skies in 2022. Now an ultra-Orthodox Jewish rabbi says it will herald the coming of their long-awaited Messiah. And Donald Trump is the harbinger of doom. Oh, boy. A prominent rabbi in Jerusalem has found a mysterious connection between Donald Trump and King David that may herald unfolding biblical prophecy. He says the signs first became evident during President Trump's election campaign and improbable victory. Right now, I'm going to be talking about his improbable victory on the next episode because I have some clips from Tom Horn. Boy, oh boy. Yes, this is going to get very, very, uh, very, very good. It, it's because it's like. I always wondered, how did Trump win against all odds, all the poll numbers? Hillary Clinton, 98%, like literally that high. How did he win? Well, Tom Horn, just wait for the next episode because he might have an answer for that. Okay, I don't know. It's just one man's word, but it's very interesting. You go, oh, okay, well, I can see how that, yeah. yeah. Just wait, wait to see it. So uh, Donnie Darkin goes on to say King David has also or also had to overcome great opposition in order to establish his kingship. Uh, Rabbi Yosef Berger said Trump connected to that, blah, 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 blah. So, yes, they are trying to connect um, the bloodline of King David to Donald Trump because apparently that is one sign of the Jewish Messiah, but also the Antichrist, Right. Uh, as a side note, don't forget about the Raelians, everybody. They want to build the third temple near Jerusalem as well. And they even said that their temple, which is to bring in the Elohim, should be the third temple as well for Israelis. Um, it says, one of the missions entrusted to Rael, spiritual leader of the Raelian movement and the announced Messiah, is to build the third temple to welcome the Elohim, 
who are who the Raelians believe scientists who created all life on earth, including humans, and amongst their offspring, the people of Israel. Now, when I said uh, the announced Messiah, I don't think that's that's by uh, any Orthodox Jewish <laughs> foundations or anything like that. Like this is just Raelians who think that he's the Messiah. All right. It's it's not like a not an established term. He just calls himself the Messiah. Rail does. The request stipulates that this third temple be built preferably near Jerusalem. To this end, the Raelian movement has already requested land to establish their embassy in Israel seven times and was denied seven times. This is a quote from the Raelian chief rabbi. Seven years ago, on the 21st day of the month of, uh, this is 5775, August 6, 2015, year of the Shemitah, Yahweh Elohim through the mouth of Rael, his last messenger, blah, blah, declared that the protection initially granted to Israel by the Elohim was removed. So essentially because Israel did not grant them the authority to build the third temple or build a, a temple for the Elohim when they return, the aliens, that the Elohim has relinquished any protections that they initially granted them. Their loss, okay? It is noteworthy that seven years after this declaration on the year 5782, ending also with the Shemitah, the ex-Prime Minister Ehud Barak stated that the state of Israel would cease to exist before its 80th anniversary. This is the 80th or the 80-year curse. And this is because uh, they did not take the Elohim's protection. Israel. All right. So just uh, heads up there. Don't forget about the Raelians because like this third temple thing all aligns with the Raelians. And that's why I'm like, will they be the religion that kind of will rise in the end? Will they be like the one world new age cult religion? Don't know. Don't think so, but you never know. So let's talk about some evangelicals. Because evangelicals support Israel to usher in the third temple because they think that once this happens, you'll have the rapture. And there's a group of Christians who do believe that the rapture will begin at the beginning or prior to the tribulation. All right, so they'll be saved. But... Um, Sovereign Broad kind of describes that that was, that's a lie. It's not really going to happen. It's all propaganda. All right. So let's check this clip out. So, so you have uh, uh, Judaism waiting for its Messiah mm-hmm. and Christianity believing this could be the second coming. This could be the return of the Christ. So this is why you have a lot of uh, Christian evangelical groups that are very, very pro-Israel. Yep. And why you have this alignment between uh, – uh, and, and, and these are relatively small groups, I think, in terms of the grand scale of things. I've asked people, uh, politicians, uh, people who have been served in the military who have come on, Timcast IRL, do you think that religion is playing a large role in what's going on in Israel? And they all always say no, not really. But there are a lot of people in the United States – who will always vote for and support politicians who defend, arm, or are, are uh, 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 fighting for the expansion and protection of Israel because 
they want the prophecy to happen. They want the return of Christ, et cetera. There's a large contingent of Christians in America that support that. Like yeah. a, a, a huge, a huge portion of evangelical Christians in America actually believe that by supporting Israel in everything that they do, they can kind of hasten the creation of the third temple and the rise of the Antichrist. <clears throat> and the part that's messed up about it. <clears throat> so this is called premillennial dispensationalism. This this started in the 1800s. Uh, there were Zionists that actually funded these guys, Darby and Schofield, to conduct research and then create a Bible that basically psyoped, in my opinion, a lot. And <laughs> I'm going to make a lot of enemies by saying this: psyoped American Christians into believing that we are going to be raptured at the beginning of the seven year tribulation. And now, as a result of this Zionist funded Schofield Bible, there's millions of Christians in America that believe that we. Should should support everything Israel does so that the Antichrist can rise, they can create the third temple, and then boom, we're getting raptured at the beginning of, of mm-hmm. the tribulation. <laughs> but I don't believe that's at all what the Bible supports. I know Donnie's on the same page with that. And as far as like the things in Israel right now happening go and whether or not it's related to religion, I would actually argue the majority of it is related to religion. Because he's talking about how evangelical supports this whole third temple, the coming of the third temple, because they think that it will usher in the antichrist and therefore the second coming of Jesus. So you have this from the Washington post in 2018, half of evangelicals support Israel because they believe it is important for fulfilling end times prophecy. Am I right? And I think I talked about this on the first episode, but I mean, you're looking at, God's promise to Abraham and his descendants was for all time. You know, you're, you're looking at oh, these people were asked this, this question here now. And I know this is just one poll. This is, you know, hand group of people that were picked for the poll, but you know, that's how polls work. You take a, a subset of the population, you do this, you know, statistical analysis and all that stuff. But the, the overarching theme of the story is that evangelicals support Israel because it fits this role of end times prophecy. Now let's get into this final clip because this is very, very strange here. Um, not strange, but it, it fits. When I heard about this, I was like, oh, that's that totally makes sense because this is a religious conflict, what's happening over between um, Israel and the Hamas here. Israel right now happening go and whether or not it's related to religion I would actually argue the majority of it is related to religion. One of the things, so there was the October 7th attack from Hamas on Israel. One, do you know what that operation was called? Mm. Al-Aqsa Storm. Oh, right, 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 right. Yeah. Okay, so, and, and this, is, this is something that completely went under the radar. So two days before the October 7th attack, over a thousand Israeli settlers stormed the Al-Aqsa compound. And the Al-Aqsa compound has uh, the Al-Aqsa Mosque and what's it called? The Dome of the Rock. Yep. Mm -hmm. One of the, I think it might be the Al-Aqsa Mosque. It might also be the Dome of the Rock. Mm -hmm. One of those buildings is the third oldest holy site. So so let let me just, let me pull this up. Uh, Keep. So this is all on Temple Mount, everybody. Remember, this is where the third temple needs to be built. So you had 1,000 or thousands of Israeli settlers storm the Al-Aqsa Mosque, which is on Temple Mount right now. All right. This happened days before the October 7th Hamas attack. We'll show this as you're talking. Yeah, so they they stormed uh, the Al-Aqsa compound, which is for Muslims, and this is like a huge, huge religious no-no. Okay, this this is a very, very sacred site for Muslims, and Israeli settlers stormed it. And the thing about the Al-Aqsa compound and Temple Mount in general is 
for the third temple to be created, this Islamic holy site would need to be flattened. Okay, And so for Israeli settlers to storm this compound and commit this like egregious violation of Islamic sanctity, this this massively uh, this is a massive sign of aggression towards the Islamic world. I don't think it's a coincidence that two days later, Hamas launches an attack called Al-Aqsa Storm. And I also know I've been speaking with Muslims about this. If Israel moves to retake the clump, the, the Temple Mount and they flatten this Islamic compound, immediate nuclear war with Iran. Like immediate World War Three, so it's a lot of this is very, very religiously motivated, and you've got on one hand, see the Muslims. If any Muslims are listening, they're going to know what I'm talking about. Muslims do not want Israel to reclaim Temple Mount because they see the second Israel reclaims Temple Mount and they rise their Antichrist, they know that Israel is going to try and subjugate the entire planet with their Messiah. And Muslims don't want that to happen. Or I could say they believe according to Scripture. Yes, they, they believe according to, to their Scriptures and their prophecies that Israel will attempt to subjugate the planet under their Messiah. And the, the Muslims see their Messiah as the Dajjal, as far as I understand. So it, this is like literally a holy war between Islam and Judaism. So I, I would argue that a lot of this is very religiously motivated. The two are connected. The, you know, the Jewish settlers attacked the mosque, and then now you have this Hamas attack on, you know, Israel. So, uh, yes. What I want to talk about is the predicted Third World War. Now, I believe this might be the Third World War that, that's going to happen here. Because guess who predicted all of these? Mr. Albert Pike. Yeah. Yeah, the 33rd Freemason, uh, the father of, well, not father, but, I mean, he might as well be called the father of Freemasonry, Albert Pike. Chillingly accurate 200-year-old letter predicts World War III and final battle against Islam. All right? Now, this was Albert Pike. He was a captain for the U.S. Army during the American Civil War. So, on August 15th, 1871... Albert Pike sent a letter to Italian politician Giuseppe Mazzini. According to the letter, the First World War must be brought about in order to permit the Illuminati to overthrow the power of the Tsars in Russia and of making that country a fortress of atheistic communism. Right, so that was the First World War. The divergences caused by the agentur, agents of the Illuminati, between the British and Germanic empires will be used to foment this war at the end of the war communism will be built and used in order to destroy the other governments and in order to weaken the religions so communism rises religion goes away the second world war must be fomented by taking advantage of the differences between the fascists and the political zionists this war must be brought about so that nazism is destroyed and that the political Zionism be strong enough to institute a sovereign state of Israel and Palestine. Okay, so at the end of World War II, you had this creation of Israel over in Palestine, right? And now, the Third War. All right, and I have a little snippet of this. So the Third World War must be fomented by taking advantage of the differences caused by the agentur of the Illuminati between the political Zionists and the leaders of the Islamic world. The war must be conducted in such a way 
that Islam, the Muslim Arabic world, and the political Zionism, the state of Israel, mutually destroy each other. Meanwhile, the other nations once more divided on this issue will be constrained to fight to the point of complete physical, moral, spiritual, and economical exhaustion. Then everywhere, the citizens obliged to defend themselves against the world minority of revolutionaries will exterminate those destroyers of civilization and the multitude disillusioned with Christianity, whose deistic spirits will, from that moment, be without compass or direction, anxious for an ideal, but without knowing where to render its adoration, will receive the true light through the universal manifestation of the pure doctrine of Lucifer, brought finally out into the public view. This manifestation will result from the general reactionary movements, which will follow the destruction of both Christianity and atheism, both conquered and exterminated at the same time. That's a big old mouthful. Apologies for that. But essentially, he was saying that the third and final battle, this third war, will be between the Islamic State and Israel. And that's kind of like where it's headed now. Also, in 1797, Jewish oracle Elijah ben Shlomo Zalman warns Jews to start preparing for the end of days when Russia captured Crimea. That happened when Russian leader Vladimir Putin annexed the region from the Ukraine. Zalman foretold Russia would then go to war with Turkey before the Russians would team up with Muslims for a final battle. All right, and now I was reading all this stuff, and I'm like, final battle? Haven't we heard that somewhere? You know, like, hasn't Trump been saying? Yes, he has been saying. So on November 21st, 2023, Trump declared that 2024 is our final battle. 2024 is our final battle. There it is. And he keeps on saying it at rallies. He says it on, uh, he just said this a couple of uh, weeks ago, February 11th. 2024 is our final battle. He just reposted that on Truth. All right, here we go again. 2024 is our final battle. Final battle. 2024 is our final battle. Right, it's built in. That phrase is cooked into his speech. So he is saying this over and over and over again. 2024 is our final battle. Final battle. All right. So very Masonic, going back to Albert Pike, predicting the third world war between Islam and Israel. Final battle. Trump's talking that this is our final battle. So sure does seem that it's going down this road, you know, which is... Very prophetic. It fulfills biblical prophecy. You know, I just don't know what to think of it all. I don't know what to think of it all. You know, is is Trump tricking everybody into being this man who is persecuted? Are they persistent on that persecution because they know that America and the world will root for the underdog and be like, hey, 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 quit picking on this guy. Look, you've done it so many times. You haven't come up with anything. Quit doing this, right? Or is it just a a deep state corrupt system? Trump's coming in to clean it up. But it's like, how did he win? 
these are the questions that I have, and we'll just close this episode out until next time. But how did he win in 2017? That's something that I'm going to address on the next episode with Tom Horn. Right? Did he get help? And uh, Tom Horn suggests that yes, he did. All right, now, if he did win, so why was he allowed to win? Why didn't they just kill him? Like, I'm just going to throw it out there. You've seen these enemies of, you know, we'll just call it the deep state if you want to. They just fall off buildings. They have airplane crashes. They have things that make it look like a natural death. Why not just do that to Trump? I mean, he's one man. You know, he can't be like that insulated, that protected. So why did they allow him to survive and live? You know, and um, and thirdly, how did he know all of this stuff was going to happen? Joe Biden being terrible, the the border, the financial collapse that's coming. How does he know all of this stuff? And you can say, yes, it's a Q plan, all this stuff. Trust the Patriots. But it's like, is there more to that? Because the other side has to be playing this as well, right? Like Joe Biden has to be playing that role as well. So my whole thing is there, there's a lot of stuff that doesn't make sense to me. And so when I'm looking at all of this, I don't necessarily subscribe to it, but I can see how it would fit. Right. And so if Trump gets a mortal head wound and survives, you know, I still think that he he had a bruised ego. You know, some of you out there are like, yeah, I appreciate that. That's cool. But uh, we'll see. We shall see. Um, tune in next time because we're going to go down a rabbit hole of numerology, gematria. It's going to be the fun, fun stuff, right? The fun conspiracy stuff. This is kind of like the preamble building it all up. And the, the numerology stuff, I wanted to just keep that on its own episode because not many people are, you know, they're in it or they're out of it, right? It's like, oh my God, like you're putting this correlation to this. All this stuff can add up like, you know, so we're going to do that next time. It's going to be fun. Uh, hopefully you all enjoyed this episode. If you did hit that like button, hit the subscribe button, notification bell and share the episode. Yeah. Go follow me on TikTok. Do whatever you want. All right. I appreciate the support. Thank you so much. Until next time, everybody stay steamy. <laughs>